For you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God. I don't hear jumping, screaming, shouts for joy. I'm going to have to get into this a little bit. (laughs) One of the Bibles I have gives a book intro for uh, the different books of the Bible. And this particular introduction to the book of Ephesians said something I thought was true for a lot of us, not just the church at Ephesus. It said this, that this church was rich in Jesus Christ, but they were living as spiritual beggars. This morning I propose we're doing the exact same thing. Would you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, I ask that You would pour out Your Spirit here this morning upon us as we gather here, and Your Word would go forth. And I ask now that You would anoint this time together and be in our thoughts, the meditations of our hearts, and all the things that might distract us from that, Heavenly Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that those be dissipated this time. Amen. I've asked John if he would pray over this message. It's one of those that I just don't want one prayer on. Grace to Heavenly Father, dear God, that come before you, Lord, that what our pastor has to say, dear God, that you will work through him. And his words, dear God, will touch the hearts and lives of the congregation, dear Lord, that somehow, dear God, that would open their hearts, that the true meaning, Lord, that they would be able to use it, Lord, in their lives daily, dear God. Give them the strength and the understanding of your word. And touch Jonathan in a mighty way, Lord, because God, through him, Lord, you do a mighty work here. And we give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, John. I want to share with you a statement I've said many times, and I, I believe many of us have said it, and I've heard many people say it in different circles. And I've always wondered, somewhere in the back of my mind, if it wasn't a statement of sad resolution, or a statement of uncertainty, but more so certainty. And it's this statement. When I think about following Jesus, I don't always feel qualified or worthy. So I tend to back away from acting or believing that I have the authority and the status to be what the Bible says and Jesus says I am. You ever find yourself saying something like that? I don't have the status or authority or I'm not worthy or I don't know how. And yet, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says that we as believers are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. It does not say this in that verse, but you can very simply add it. With all the benefits entitled to the righteousness of God in your life. All of them. You get the gifts of a righteous person In your life. Nobody jumping and shouting yet. 
I'm telling you, when you get this, you're going to love it. I, I was uh, shocked this week when I put the pieces together that I'd had all the pieces and never connected them. I'm going to show you the various pieces in this book of Ephesians, just the end of first chapter and right through the second chapter. And I'm going to put the pieces out there and then I'm going to show you how they connect. And once we connect them, I'm going to show you what it means. And once you know what it means, you're going to blow the enemy out of the water, everything he does. Is that a good thing? Amen. Would you like it when the enemy comes against you, you can say, this is what is true about me. Get behind me. With confidence, with assurance and conviction. This, I believe, is going to happen for us today. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul begins his statement and he says this, and this is his prayer, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. That's the first thing he prays. Spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowing Christ. So two things there. And then the next verse he says, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened that you would know through the spirit of wisdom and the revelation what you would know what is the hope of His calling first, the hope of what He's called you to, the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, which being the righteousness of God in Christ, you are. And third, the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the same power which He worked when He raised Jesus from the dead. (laughs) Put Him at the right hand in heavenly places. Now hear that again. The same power which was working when He raised Jesus from the dead and seated Jesus at His right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also which is to come. Again, Jesus is seated at the right hand of God above everything else. Nothing else is over Him. He's above every power, over over every principality, over every might or thing that might come against Him. And He's over everything that might take dominion. Jesus is. We know this, don't we? He's above all, right? Lord of all, King of kings. He's the Messiah, the Master. There is none like Him. This we know. But sadly, chapter 1 ends and we don't go jump into chapter 2 to get the next piece. The next piece. Ephesians 2, verses 5 and 6. It's going to sound a little familiar because Paul is starting to connect some dots. Problem is, he's got about seven verses between the dots. So this sounds like a separate and distinct thought. It is not. And I'll tell you how you know this. Because Paul didn't write with verses and numbers and chapters. It's a letter. It's not, oh, chapter 2, new thought. It's a letter. Other people separated into verses and chapters so we could find stuff. So in chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, he says, this is good, when you, or we, were dead in trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. 
Listen carefully to that. When you were dead, He made you alive. Amen. Not when you were righteous, but when you were dead, He made you alive with Christ by grace and raised you and us up together to make us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So He raised us up while we were dead and put us in Jesus Christ at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Mm -hmm. We are in Christ at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Back to chapter 1, just a little quick connection. All the stuff that's true about Jesus now remains true over us. We'll get that all put together in a minute. But I just wanted to put that there for you so you don't miss that because you go, didn't didn't that first chapter just say something about Jesus at the right hand? Now it's saying we are... Connection yet? We're getting there. This is good stuff. Verse 9 in this second chapter again. This is not of works lest you should boast. You did not do this. God did this in Jesus Christ. And in verse 10, for we are God's workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus as believers for good works which God prepared that we should walk in those. God has some stuff for us to do. He doesn't want stuff to stop us from doing it. So He has to make a way so stuff can't prevent us from doing it. And that's what He began to do. In verse 13, skipping down, it says, Now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, Gentile, not a part of the family of God, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Christ's blood has brought us into this relationship with God. We are one with Christ because of His blood. While we were dead, Jesus gave His life. It isn't something we did, He did it. Okay, So, jumping down now through the reading for today. Since this is true, you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but your fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You had nothing, but when you were dead, He brought you in to be in something. God did it. He puts you there in Christ. And you're built on the foundation now, not before, but now, of the apostles and prophets. Jesus is the chief. The beginning of all this in whom Him, through Jesus, the whole building, fitted together, grows to be a holy temple. And you also are being built by God together for a dwelling place for God to dwell in His Spirit. God is building you up to be a place for Himself to live. God's doing it. And that's good. But if you just read that, All it says is, well, my history's changed. Now, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, and that same God, all that history is now my history because I'm part of the family of God. I get that. Prophets all now talking about me and all the promises of the Old Testament now all apply to me and God's blessings all apply to me. But do you know what they are? Have you read them? Do you know what they say? It's good stuff. If you ever take time, you'll have about a thousand of them defined. My wife did it. She found all the promises in the Scriptures. It's a good read too. So it will bless you. But you have become a 
family member, and residence for God. Don't miss this part. God in Christ dwells in you. Amen. Don't miss this. God in Christ is in you. Lord. Now. Amen. Not later. Now. That's a good thing. That's a great thing. Why? Because in verse 6 it says we're in heavenly places in Jesus Christ. He put us there. <laughs> I like that. I, I couldn't do that. Do you think because you've made a mistake or sinned that you can undo the work of Christ on Calvary? Can you undo what God did? Nope. Can you undo the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the grave? No. Can you undo it because you made a mistake in your life? Because you failed God in your opinion? Of course not. But if you think that, and we tend to think that when we say, you know, I'm just not worthy or qualified, that's not God. That's not someone with God in them speaking. That's someone who's got the doubt of this world still floating around in their mind. You see, you need to think again if you think that way because God has made you alive in Christ to serve Him. Sin will lie to you and tell you that's not true. The enemy will tell you that all the promises that I've just shared with you of all those connecting verses isn't yours. Or you don't get it all because you failed. Or you're not good enough. Your insecurity will lie to you. Your feelings will lie to you. But the good thing and the best news of all is all these things change. Lies are proven as a lie and the truth replaces it. The enemy will change and lie. Your insecurity can change. Your feelings will change. Jesus does not. Jesus Christ, the same, yesterday, today, and forever, says our Scripture. You cannot undo God's promises by anything you do or don't do. Now you got that out of the way. Let's go forward. You see, a saint who sins does not make them a non-saint in status. I didn't see any breakthroughs just then. A saint who sins does not make them a non-saint in status. If you sin, it doesn't mean you're no longer a saint. If it does, it means Calvary didn't work. It means the resurrection didn't happen. The enemy wants you to think that this is true so you won't act on faith. For whatever reason. But you will act on feelings. Self-image or perception. The sentiment applies to how you feel about yourself and about others who are sinful. You know, they sin, therefore they're not a God person. I heard that a lot. I heard about that said about someone who loved Jesus and failed miserably and sin publicly and some say, oh, they're not, they must not be a Christian. What we do does not make God's work unvalid or invalidated. Amen. 
<laughs> if the enemy can convince you that you're not who God in the Bible says you are, you're not going to act on it. You won't live it out and you won't proclaim anything with conviction. Let me tell you something. This is how this works. Yes, I believe in Jesus, but there's this sin I do, you know, and, and, I'm, and I feel guilty about it, and it's affecting my witness, and my testimony isn't as good, you know, because, because I'm not as good as I say in my testimony. Therefore, I, I shouldn't really be sharing it with all the conviction of what God's done, because I'm not quite who I say I am. <laughs> you aren't who you say you are, you are who God says you are. That's the fact. There is no other truth you need to know. You are who God says you are. But a saint living without conviction becomes ineffective. I don't want you ineffective, friends. I've been walking around ineffective thinking, God, you know, I haven't done everything I should. There's some things I shouldn't do. And therefore, when I pray, God, I know you won't listen. He's going, why do you say that? Well, because of the things, you know, these things. And he's saying, I don't understand what you're talking about. But God, this is going, I never said that about you. God never said you're unworthy. God never said you are not welcome. God never said that your prayers don't have authority in them. Of all of heaven. He never said all of a sudden you're not seated in Jesus, therefore you can't pray. All of a sudden you're out of status with Jesus. You can go down to the earth because you messed up. As soon as you, you know, figure out what you did wrong, he'll bring you back up. Mm-hmm. What? This isn't about you. Nope. It's about Jesus yeah. doing what he does through a saint who sins. But the enemy wants you to think you're a sinner who's been forgiven, but not quite a saint. Mm-hmm. That's what he wants you to think. He gets good at it. So we live powerless lives because we don't think God can change anything. Mm-hmm. Well, especially not through us. I mean, look at me, you know, I'm just, who am I? Who are you? Do you know? Do you know who God says you are when you belong to Him? Do you know the value of His blood, what it did in you to transform you? Do you know? But I will say this. The evidence of believers not attempting anything because they believe that is sadly overwhelming. Well, you know, God can't use me. I don't know how. We, we give all these reasons. I've got several. Here's what we don't think. We don't think we're supposed to. <laughs> I'm not supposed to help that person. That's someone else's job. We don't think we can. God, I, have, I don't know how to do that. I can't do that. Me? I can't do that. Telling God, right? We don't think we should. You know, that's risky. You know, they're going to take advantage of me. We, we tell God all the reasons. Uh, we don't think we know what to do. God, I'd like to help, but I don't know what I should do, so I'm not going to do anything. We go so far as not even to pray. Or ask God, what should we do? Put a conviction in my heart and opportunity, God, and let me do it, is what we should say. Not, I don't know what to do, so I'm not going to do anything. Or we don't think we should get involved. I don't want to get involved with that. You know, I'm busy. I got stuff to do. 
I got my life to live. I got family and friends and work and all these other things. I shouldn't get involved in doing what God just asked me to do because He, he got the wrong person. We don't think we can make a difference. Maybe that's it. Maybe you don't really believe you make a difference for God in this world. That's one of the greatest lies the enemy will ever tell you. You do. A believer who loves Jesus and willing to do whatever Jesus asks changes the world. If we'll be one. Maybe we don't think we're worthy. No, we're not. Not without Jesus. But when Jesus Christ comes in, we are. We are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. I'm unworthy. No, I'm not unworthy. I'm the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. I am righteous. Righteous does not equate with unworthy. It's the opposite. Righteousness means I have God's worthiness and holiness in me because God is in me. So it is true for you. You just don't know it because you don't know how to live it. No one's ever put the pieces together for you to go, oh, so if this is true about me, then this is true, and this is true, then that's true. We don't make the jump. This morning, as we make that jump, you're going to see, not only that, we don't think we're qualified. I don't have the training. I don't know anything about that. God is not asking you to do something He thinks you'll fail at. God, you, you, you know, I know it never happened before. You made a mistake asking me. You, you, you were perfect until you chose me, God. What's wrong with you, God? That's what we do, don't we? Start making about ourselves instead of about God. I don't know why we do that, but we also don't think we are capable. Oh God, I could do it, but you know, I, uh, I really can't because I'm just not able. Something wrong with me physically or mentally or emotionally. I just can't do that. They give all these excuses. You know, Moses gave a whole bunch of them. Moses said, uh, I stutter. God says, let Aaron speak. Mm-hmm. What Moses should have said is, I don't want mm-hmm. to. Here's another one. He said, I'm not a qualified witness. Uh-huh. That's what Moses said to God. I'm not a qualified witness. God goes, I chose you. You're qualified. <laughs> Moses didn't like that one. As a matter of fact, I love the call of God on Moses. the same when He gives us. My people are hurting. I want to set them free. Now go do it. Yep. Amen. So what he says to each one of us, my people are hurting, they're broken, they're without Christ. I want to get them back in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now you go do it. Oh, God, God, you said you wanted to do it. Yeah, that's right. I chose you. After all, you're my righteousness. And you have all my dominion and authority in Jesus Christ. You go do it. Uh, no, I don't really have that stuff, God. That's just what the Bible says. <laughs> All of a sudden, our, our, our logic gets really funny. Uh, maybe we don't think we are necessary. God, you can use somebody else. I don't matter. I'm not necessary. I'm dispensable. I'm a person who doesn't have much value. Or I've always been taught that there's someone always better than me. I should esteem others, Lord. 
I'm going to do your word. I'm going to esteem somebody else to go in front of me and do it instead. I'm going to esteem someone else more than me to go and do this work you asked me to do. God, I'm following your word. Oh, that's not what esteem means. No, it's not. That would have been interesting. Jesus could have said, Hey, uh, Peter, uh, I'm going to go die for the sins of the world. God wants that done, so you go do it. I'm esteeming you to give you the honor of this thing. It's going to hurt. But you can't say anything. And uh, and don't worry. Um, I'll leave you alone so you can do it by yourself. Yeah, you know, Jesus didn't do that, did He? No. He didn't say, somebody else can do it. And sometimes we don't think we're good enough. I don't know why we, we think that way. No one's good but God. Amen. It's not about being good enough. It's about God saying, please do this. Mm-hmm. Another one, sometimes we don't think we are commanded to do it. Mm-hmm. Yet Scripture says that God created us for these good works. Love one another as I have loved you. Go, make disciples. All these things God has commanded us through Jesus Christ and throughout Scripture, and we don't think we're commanded to do it. Mm-hmm. Oh God, I can't love that person. You know they, they they annoy me. I'm not okay, God. I know I gotta love everybody, uh, everyone, uh, but can I uh, love that one from a distance? <laughs> they they frustrate me. Y'all don't know anybody like that, do you? That frustrates you. <laughs> Um, uh, you probably just got seven names run through your head. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to have you to have a bad moment during the sermon. Um, but I want to share with you what we don't think we can do or are worthy or qualified. God simply says, "I need a yes." And then He says this: "I will do, or I have already done the rest. You just say yes. You just be available and say yes." This last Friday, we walked into the door to celebrate recovery. And this was put on my neck. I knew what was going on. And I didn't think much about it. But as I began to hear what this represented, the red mm-hmm. is the blood of Jesus Christ yeah. and the sin that it covers. And, and try as I might, looking down at it, I, I wanted it to change colors. Mm-hmm. I wanted... Because Scripture says, though your sins be as scarlet or crimson, Mm -hmm. I will wash them white as snow. So here I am with this red lay on and it's representing sin. Mm -hmm. And I'm going, God, uh, I want it it white as snow. And and I want you to just make it white as snow. Just do it. Matter of fact, God, I'm going to try. And it's try as hard as I wished or prayed or ask God for it, it stayed red. It stayed red. I could not unread the red lay on my neck. I believe you will have the same predicament that I did if you try to unread your red lay. Mm-hmm. Especially since it represents the burden that sin has placed on our lives. But we're going to do something in just a moment. And we're going to exchange this red one 
by placing it on the cross and receiving a white one that represents we're white as snow in Jesus Christ. And I and I and I have to tell you the difference between the red and the white one. As surely as you can't unred the red one, you can't unwhite the white one. You might think, I'm not worthy, God. Therefore, this should be a red lay on my neck rather than a white one, which you will have. Or God, I just can't do this. Therefore, it shouldn't be white. And it's still going to be a white lay on your neck. You can't unwhite it. You can't undo what God does in your life. He has put Jesus Christ at the right hand according to Ephesians chapter 1 with all dominion over principality, power, dominion, and anything that could come against it. Against Him. And then it says, we who believe in Jesus Christ were dead, were made alive and sat next to Jesus while we were dead. We're still dead with the red. Still carrying this sin. And God says, I put you in Jesus. But God, how can you do that if I'm a sinful? And He says, because the blood of Jesus Christ makes you my righteousness. And when you enter into my covenant through the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the righteousness has taken the place. Jesus did it before you needed it. Before you were even born. He already made you the righteousness of God. You can sit at the right hand of God the Father Almighty in Jesus Christ right now in heavenly places because of what Jesus Christ did, not because of what you did or didn't do. He did the work. He transformed that. But we want to tell God, oh no, 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 because I haven't believed well enough. I haven't said the right prayer or I haven't done the right things or I'm still messing up. Then no, that's not true. And God keeps saying, what part of this is about what you think you did or didn't do? Because of what Jesus did, we are seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty right now. Not later. Not after we repented. He put us there. Now it's our task to enter into the relationship and stay there by being His child. That's the task. It isn't to be worthy. It isn't to make ourselves feel like we belong. That stuff isn't what it's about. You know, I even applied this logic to other believers in my life. Where, you know, they've given their life to Christ and then they mess up and I say, we need to have that, like the scarlet letter, you need to have that A on, or, or whatever sin it was that they did and say, you know, I don't know if your faith is genuine. My faith isn't genuine, God's is. Amen. It's His faith. I just enter into it. I belong to Him when I enter into the relationship with Jesus Christ by faith of what Christ has done for me. I couldn't do it. You cannot do what Christ did. You cannot undo what Christ has done. I've always said, you know, when someone does a sin or 
does something that's inappropriate, you know. I heard a couple of times some people did stuff, you know, like in the sanctuary, and I'm going, oh, you can't do that in church. God's going to strike you, you know. What's wrong with you? Don't you even know who God is? I'm thinking, you messed up your righteousness. You can't mess up your righteousness. Christ has it. It isn't my righteousness or yours at all. It's God's. That's the one I needed in the first place. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. Not in us. The righteousness is in Christ. And when we are in Christ and He is in us, we are righteous. Mm-hmm. Oh, but I don't act so righteous, preacher. <laughs> you don't know what I do in my private time and my thinking. Mm-hmm. Again, trying to make it about yourself again, aren't you? And trying to tell God what isn't true for you. God has your righteousness. You can't mess it up. How miserable we become when we miss this truth. I'm going to run through these truths like I started with from Ephesians and hear it again. And this is Paul's prayer that God will give you the spirit of wisdom, of revelation, and knowing who He is, that your understanding would be enlightened or you'd be finally able to see, that you would know the hope of God's call on your life what that hope is and the task that He's put before you. The riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saint and the exceeding greatness of the power toward us who believe. That power makes dead to life. Sin to righteous. And it raises Jesus and puts Him in the heavenly places above the principality, power, might, and dominion, above every name that is named, not only this age, but that which is to come, not only in this age, but in this age for sure. Now, in Jesus Christ, since this is true for Him, I'll read it that way. God has worked a mighty power when He raised you from the dead, and He seated you at right hand in the heavenly places, and you now are above all principality, all power, all might, and dominion. You're above every name that is named, not only now, but in the age to come, but especially right now. And when things try to tell you otherwise, it is not true. So, when you were dead, God did this work. And He raised you up and sat you in the heavenly place in Christ Jesus. When you believe in Jesus Christ and into Him, this is your truth. Your truth. And this is not something you've done unless you would boast about it because it seems prideful to go, well, I pray God's going to listen. No, I pray God is going to listen. He loves me. He wants to hear what I say. It's not prideful. It's the statement of truth. God loves His children. He wants to hear what they say. He wants to give you the delight of your heart. He wants you to know He listens. It's not boasting. So, He is trying to tell you that 
This work is not something you've done, but that we are His workmanship. Do you understand how this works? It's not, oh, I'm seated at the right hand of God and following Jesus Christ what Jesus did and therefore I belong there. It's not what we're saying. What we're saying is, God took a broken man, a broken woman, and brought that person through His Son's sacrificial death and resurrection and transformed that person to restored. And sometimes it takes us our whole lives to figure out how to live the restored life. Because we don't think it applies yet. It applies. This is the key. Your life is restored right now in Jesus Christ. Not later. For it says in verse 10, you are His workmanship. He's done the work in you. And you're created in Christ Jesus. It doesn't mean you were formed of the dirt of the earth by Jesus. You were created in Christ Jesus, as in right now, created newly, a newborn, born again soul. So you're created in Christ Jesus now, not as a baby, as an adult, for good works. Do you see how the logic doesn't make sense if you say, well, when I was born, you weren't born for good works, you were born again for good works. That God has prepared that you would be able to walk in them. That God prepared for you to be able to. You will prosper. God knows the plans He has for you to prosper you. He's got it set up. Oh, I'm not worried. God's going, why do you keep talking about whether you're worthy or not? Look at my son, his death, his resurrection, that's all yours, you're, you're with me. Why do you keep bringing your junk into this? But God, this is too wonderful. Indeed it is. It is too wonderful. And the riches and the manifold glory and all that God wants to do, we can't even think or imagine. And we're, we're not even thinking or imagining all the time. He has so many things He wants to show you and give you and, and work through you if you will just say yes. That's all you got to do. Yes. 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 Oh, then that 13th verse, but now in Christ Jesus, you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. Amen. Not by your worthiness. You didn't do it. We know this. We just forget so you're no longer strangers and foreigners. You're a citizen with the saint, members of the household of God. And if you're a member of the household of God, it means you have every privilege thereof, including belonging, including the authority of the Father and what you say and what He says becomes one. And the good news is, I like this, some folks don't, is we're all being connected together by the Spirit of God. All being built together, built up, growing one for another. We're all a part of the same thing. That's right. If you don't do it for the kingdom, I got to. If I don't do it, someone else has got to. But we're all being built together to do the part to build the building for God. It's not about whether we want to, whether we're worthy. It's about we're doing it for God. Because God did it for us. Amen. That we could have effective fruit. Mm-hmm. This church has 
immense potential. Working together, loving one another as God has loved us, and doing the work of the gospel. Amen. This is the truth. And when I when I read through Ephesians two, and I love this chapter, I I read that seat at the heavenly places thing, and I just said, "Yeah, I'm seated at Christ's heavenly places." Okay, and I glossed over it. Don't gloss over that. Don't miss that. You are there. No, no, I'm sitting in church, preacher. You just no, you're not. You're seated at the right hand of God in Jesus Christ. You have dominion. You have authority over principles and powers. You do. That's what the Scripture tells us. And we can act on that authority even if we've made a mistake or failed in what we call sin. And we come to God in prayer and say, God, I need You to do this great thing, this miracle in my life and in my friend's life, but, but I've sinned and I don't think You'll listen. And God's going, I don't know what you're talking about. Just pray with authority. You haven't lost your authority because you make a mistake. You haven't lost your fellowship with Jesus Christ. You just simply come and say, God, I keep making mistakes, but I know You love me and I know You hear me. Here's my request. And in the name of Jesus Christ, do that. And at the same time, bring me the rest of the way in and clean me up some more. Work on me if you need to, God, but by all means, do the things I'm praying for for others. And put me to the work. I'll say yes. That's good news, isn't it? I love that. It means that no matter the task, no matter the opportunity, God says, anything that says you can't do it, shouldn't do it, aren't worthy of doing it, in unqualified, if you will, God wouldn't have put the task in front of you. God does not tempt us with a good work. Just to see if you're going to do this, and and you're not supposed to, he doesn't do that. Scripture says God tests no man. It's the truth. I hope this good news really helps, and this is the key to unlock the door for you. And this morning, I want you to, with me, when we're getting ready to sing this last song together is that I'm going to hold the cross and I'm going to ask you to exchange your red for a white one. We have white ones here. Unless you do not believe in Jesus Christ. Because that's the case. This is still red and you're still stuck. And you haven't moved into the finished work of the cross which is called resurrection life. We're too busy living in the death of of Jesus Christ to talk about sin rather than moving on to the resurrection life. Mm -hmm. And that's where we need to walk forward from here. Would you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word to us this morning. Thank You for Your grace and Your peace. ask that as uh, we go forward from this place today, that You'll remind us You're not done with us. You're just getting started. But more so, Heavenly Father, we're starting to learn who we really are. And that's wonderful, righteous, holy, anointed. We are saints. Regardless of anything else that we might say, think, or believe, we are saints and the righteousness that You've proclaimed we are. 
So Heavenly Father, help us to stand forward in the promises that we have authority over all in Jesus. Amen.